All right, what's up, comrades? Welcome to the Left Side of Liberty podcast, and today I have a great show for you guys, and I'm going to do a longer uh, double video breakdown than usual, uh, or, or potentially longer, because the videos are longer than the ones that I usually do. The first one has... Cornell West on um, Laura Ingram's show on Fox News, and he's going to debate Candace Owens. You know, this, this, the double video breakdown may as well be called the Candace Owens video breakdown because I've covered her about four times, I think now, or three times uh, on this podcast. I, I just can't get enough of how obvious of a fraud she is, and she's, I admit, even though she says really stupid things, she's very entertaining, I'll admit it, because, you, know, you know, you just have to laugh and laugh uh, at some of the, just the silly things that she says. So, this uh, debate with Laura Ingram is going to be about Trump's, you know, accomplishments, quote-unquote, in the black community and Candace Owens is gonna you know just spew her usual ultra tribalist ultra partisan talking points you know um Democrats bad Republicans good Trump bad uh, or sorry Trump good Democrats bad um and Laura Ingram's gonna pile on with Democratic cities, bad. Red states, good. You know, uh, so they just pour on the tribalism. But I got—I have to say, uh, Cornell West is being a lot more patient with them than I would. And in certain respects, Laura Ingram, compared to Candace Owens, actually in, in, in a couple of spots in this interview, sounds relatively reasonable. And I think she does have some genuine respect for Cornell West, which she says uh, in this interview. She's like, yeah, I respect you. I like you. I disagree with you, but uh, but I like you. I, I think that's that's largely genuine. I, I, I believe Laura when she says that. Um, but they try that both of them, both Candace and uh, Laura Ingram, try to sort of bait Cornell West into making hacky partisan points like the ones that they're used to making and he just won't do it he's too he's way too smart for that way too smart to take the bait and uh and he doesn't take it he doesn't resort to ad hominems he stays calm throughout most of it uh there are a couple of times where he does you know raise his voice a little bit but that but not like out of anger he's more just you know animated and you know, it's just, it's the way that he talks. So, uh, Cornel West did a great job, and I'm going to skip about a minute, because it's a long video. I'm going to skip about a minute into it. Um, it's about a 12-minute video, so, uh, yeah, I just skipped ahead a minute. And they ba they're basically talking about, oh, isn't Trump... Uh, doing so well in the black community and 
see, see, Cornell West, uh, Trump did the First Step Act. Um, so, you know, are you going to condemn that too? You don't like Trump, right? So you're 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 gonna uh, you're gonna bash the uh, First Step Act, right? Wrong. You like debate and conversation, and I think that's just awesome. So thank you so much uh, for joining us tonight. Um, no, and I, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And um, I want to begin with a simple question, Dr. West. Are the president's policies, let's just focus now on his economic policies, are they helping the African-American community in your view? No, I think that the statistics certainly look good through a narrow lens, so I give him credit in that regard. But we have to keep in mind that on the one hand, you still have grotesque wealth inequality, you have job insecurity, so many people who are working are working more than one job. We know many people who have withdrawn from the labor force are not counting, uh, counted at all. But I think the problem is, though, my dear sister, is that the president has a language that creates an atmosphere that is so xenophobic against black folk, Mexicans, Muslims. He rarely wants to stay in contact with their humanity. So when you look at the statistics, that's one thing. But when you create an atmosphere and an ambience of xenophobia, it reinforces the polarization. And therefore, many black folk wouldn't even be able to connect the statistics that look good with the language that atmosphere that feels so bad and that cold-hearted no. mean-spiritedness is something that cuts very very deep in the have spirit you, of people have you met myself. him have you met him dr west ever met the president no i've never i've never had a conversation with my right wing brother i mean you know i've called him a gangster and a proto-fascist yeah, in terms of separation know, of power but, guess, but he's a human yeah. being he's a human being and but i, I mean, and i and i can you know no, i'm just saying this because look you and i don't agree a lot but i actually really like you i think sure. you're I think I just like the fact that you're out there and you're advocating. I have no problem with it. And I would I don't I wouldn't call you mean spirited. We disagree. But I think if you actually were with the president, you might find that you could accomplish a lot together and you could do a lot together. I really believe that he'll work with pretty much anybody. And that's what I found in my experience. So I'm just throwing that out there, Candace. Mm, mm. There, there, but there is this tonality issue that that. OK, so. <clears throat> Before Candace um, just totally unleashes the stupid, uh, I want to address some of the things that uh, Laura and Cornel West said in that uh, first little exchange there. So, um, like I said before I started the video... Do you see what she's trying to do there? Do you see that sort of sly little trick she's trying to do? She's trying to bait Cornell West into bashing the First Step Act because Trump did it. So if you have a you know a corporate Democrat or a Democratic strategist or something, which Fox News has on all the time, they are so dense and so stupid that they take the bait. Cornell West is smarter, exponentially smarter than Laura Ingram and Candace Owens combined. Way smarter. So he's not going to take that bait, and he doesn't. He says, yeah, the First Step Act was a good policy. And 
you know, I, I don't like Trump, but but um, I still, you know, he's still a human being and I'll treat him like he's my brother, you know? So, um, so that's what he says. And, you know, Laura Ingram's, you know, typical talking, and it's not just Laura Ingram, it's all of Fox News, like, oh, the black unemployment rate is so low. Oh, you know, the president will work with anybody and blah, blah, blah. Okay, first of all, first of all, <sighs> the black unemployment rate, which Candace Owens is going to just fawn over in this entire uh, conversation here. The black unemployment rate is by one measure at a record low, but I'm interested to see how they gathered that that data, how they, and how they sort of manipulated the numbers, the Trump administration manipulated the numbers to, uh, get that favorable result. I don't trust, uh, that statistic because I know the dishonesty that runs rampant in the Trump administration. So, <clears throat> and, and with Trump himself, by the way, cause he, he'll say, one thing one minute, another thing, the opposite thing the next minute, and just totally contradict himself and basically just lie all the time and uh, just say everything at once. So he says the truth and a lie at the same time. So anyway, the point is that Laura Ingram's like, oh, you know, uh, Cornell or Dr. West or whatever, you should uh, you should work with uh, Donald Trump. I think he'd be willing to work with you. You guys could get stuff done. And uh, then she says, um, I mean, in my experience, I was, uh, he, he was nice to me. Uh, Laura, did you, and the answer is no, but this is a rhetorical question. Did you, Stop for even a millisecond before that thought left your head. Did you even stop to think, he's nice to me because I agree with him and give him fawning praise. That's why he's nice to me. And that's why he's nice to people like Kanye West. And I'm not sure if Kanye uh, agrees with Trump now that he's kind of retreated from uh, politics a little bit, um, but he works with people who agree with him and give him fawning praise because he's a child. You know, the one aberration, and I think if Kanye wasn't in the picture, he probably wouldn't have worked with her on this or whatever. Uh, Kim Kardashian uh, begged Trump to release uh, some nonviolent drug offenders. There was one uh, case in particular. I can't remember the woman's name, but he did it. He uh, he commuted her sentence, and he you know he let her go. And that's great. And 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 Laura Ingram's going to play some first step um, beneficiaries, I guess you would say. Some people who benefited from the first step act. She's going to play uh, a clip of them, you know, thanking the president at the White House. And and again, great. And, uh, and Cornel West even said, 
you know, I don't have a problem with, uh, with that. That's a good policy. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean jack shit because almost every other policy he's done has been horrible for everybody in America except the rich. No matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, um, Muslim, uh, Southeast Asian, um, Asian, <laughs> uh, it's like, it doesn't matter if you're not wealthy, then you're not doing nearly as well under this president. That's just a fact. Most presidents, to be fair, but especially uh, this president. So that's just total nonsense that Laura Ingram tries to get away with. And Cornell West isn't buying any of it. But again, to be fair to Laura Ingram. She actually sounds, uh, you know, at a couple of points, uh, more reasonable than Candace Owens. Like, Candace Owens is such a hack and so tribalistic and such a fraud that she makes even Laura Ingram sound somewhat reasonable in parts of this uh, conversation. So, anyway, <clears throat> let's continue. Candace. Pour on the stupid, please. People seize on with the president. And they always go back to Charlottesville. They always go back to this S-hole countries. Those are the two things they really seize upon, the, the travel ban. Th those three things probably, for some, just wipe out any other accomplishment. Your reaction. Well, look, I think the president is doing something different. Definitely his tone is different because he tells the truth and he doesn't pander to black America. He hasn't offered us hot sauce. He's offered us jobs. That makes many people uncomfortable uh, because they're, they're from an era where race hustling is a business. Uh, they're used to telling black Americans that they're victims, writing books about victimhood, and that is no longer selling in America. And I just wanted to comment back on saying that xenophobia is something that black Americans are afraid of. Xenophobia means that you have a fear, uh, Mr. West, of foreigners. Black Americans are not foreigners in this country. We are a piece of the American dream. We've earned a piece of this American dream, and we're getting tired of people telling us that we are somehow separate of it. I mean, that's that's really what I have to say. We're doing tremendous under this presidency. Uh, there is no candidate that is offering anything on the left to counter what Trump has offered. They're just offering more rhetoric, more fear-mongering, and unfortunately, time is up on this narrative. We are ready to move on and embrace our futures. If I can come straight, I mean, first, xenophobia in the generic sense means the fear of other. And black folk have no, been other than enslaved Jim Crow, Jane Crow, and so forth. So if well, you want to, the yeah, narrow understanding is just foreign, but it's the yeah. other. Those who have been otherized, those who have been marginalized yeah. in this sense. But, but, but think of the, when you call my dear sister Maxine Waters low IQ, she does that's, have a low that's, IQ. That's vicious. That's you a talk, fact. You that said what? Fact. That, that is said, a fact. If she took an IQ exam, that, you would find out that Maxine Waters had a very low IQ. Okay. So a lot to unpack there. I told you she just unleashes the stupid. So... <sighs> so... You know, she does the typical, oh, you know, Trump's doing great with the black community. Black unemployment is so low and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, Candace, okay, wages are, you know, have been stagnating since the late 70s. And particularly in the early 80s when Reaganomics uh, was implemented. How did that work out, you know? 
Um, but, um, but anyway, uh, so Laura Ingram starts out with, uh, the, the, uh, section that I just played to you, it starts with Laura Ingram saying, yeah, you know, uh, Trump's divisive rhetoric, uh, or rhetoric that is perceived by some people as being divisive overshadows his accomplishments. And it's like, Laura, what are those accomplishments? It's like, other than, again, the First Step Act, you know, that was, that was fine. Um, and, uh, let's see, what else? Is there, are there any other, you know, actual accomplishments? I, I don't think, I, I can't really, uh, think of any, but, Anyway, uh, then Candace Owens does her typical, oh, you know, Democrats bad, uh, Republicans good thing, Trump good, uh, Republicans, uh, sorry, uh, Democrats bad kind of routine. And she's like, oh, well, uh, and then she totally strawmans Cornell West's point about xenophobia you know he's like you know some of his rhetoric is very xenophobic or or at least uh is perceived as being xenophobic and candace owens is like ah well uh xenophobia dr west uh as if um as if you're not you know this distinguished professor uh at harvard and as if you don't have decades of experience uh in scholarly work and research uh on topics related to the, to this topic uh i'm gonna act like a smart ass and i'm just gonna say uh dr west um sorry to correct you there but uh xenophobia means fear of foreigners it doesn't mean fear of the other which cornell west was trying to say uh Candace, first of all, foreigners is a synonym for the other. Things that are other are foreign. That's, you know, what it is. And then she goes, and this really pissed me off. Uh, she goes, you know, black people are not foreigners. We're Americans and we're tired of being uh told that we're not or you know whatever bullshit she said that's not what she was or sorry that's not what he was saying candace he wasn't saying that black people aren't you know that that black people are foreigners and therefore they're not american everybody in this country is a foreigner everybody uh or at least comes from foreign blood unless you're native americans but even then you know, they haven't been here from the very, 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 very beginning of time. They went across the land bridge and came here. Uh, so, Candace, that's a ridiculously stupid point to make. You know, he was not saying that uh, that black people should be considered foreigners. That's not what he was saying. 
And you know, I'm going to give her credit. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say, you have to know you, you're dense, but you're not that dense. You, you have to know that that's not what he was actually saying. Uh, you're just playing stupid partisan games and you're strawmanning Dr. West because you know that he's way out of your intellectual league. So, Jesus. Anyway, continue. Oh, uh, actually, no, don't continue. Then she's also like, um, oh, uh, nobody on the left is offering any alternatives to uh, President Trump. It's like, Bernie Sanders is, you know, forget the other, you know, sort of centristy Democrats, you know, forget those guys. Uh, Bernie is offering, you know, a, a similar, uh, a, a similar sort of populist message, but not one rooted in, uh, in us against them kind of, um, sort of identity groups. Uh, us versus them kind of thing like that Trump is doing. He's trying to pit uh, identity groups against each other. That's what he's doing. And what Bernie's trying to do is less of that and more of it's everybody else against the very, very wealthy few. So that's the difference in message. And that's an alternative. But she know, but Candace Owens knows that she can't compete with that. She knows that Donald Trump cannot compete with that. So uh, she doesn't even acknowledge that he is a viable part of this conversation. And later on, when Cornell West says Bernie Sanders has an alternative to what Trump has, quote unquote, offered people, Candace Owens just goes, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> uh, Candace, that's not an argument. Saying his name is not an argument. You know, what's your argument against him? But you don't have any. So you just go, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you know, uh, so it's like, really? That's the extent of your knowledge on Bernie Sanders? Just, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> uh, and then she does this stupid hacky thing of the, you know, the Maxine Waters low IQ thing. Okay. First of all, do I, am, am I a big fan of Maxine Waters? No. But am I going to say that she has a low IQ? No. You know, just because I acknowledge that she is a smart congresswoman. That doesn't mean I have to like her. That doesn't mean, you know, just because I don't, or sorry, just because I don't like her doesn't mean that I have to say that she's dumb or has a low IQ. No, she doesn't. She says questionable things, but she does not have a low IQ. And, and you, Candace, uh, it's funny how you talk about you know, you're, you, in the circles you run in, it's, you know, all over facts over feelings. And you even say, that's a fact, that Maxine Waters has a low IQ. And then she pivots. Uh, she, sa she at first says, that's a fact, 
full stop. And then she pivots to, well, if she took an IQ test, it would it would show that she has a low IQ. Aha! So it's your opinion. You don't know. It's not a fact. It's your opinion based on partisan hack idiots that you uh, find it lucrative to be associated with. So, uh, anyway, continue. Come on. <sighs> and I will, she I will push is that a challenge. brilliant, it may she's not a brilliant human being. Okay. When, well, when, look, he I, brother, I when he called brother, when he called brother Colin a son, a son of a bitch, you see this yeah, kind I've of language, language is ridiculous. I've never used that language. Not you, not you. Oh, no, I'm okay. talking about the president. I'm yeah, not yeah. talking about you, my All sister. Right. I'm talking about the president. West, look, the president called brother yeah. Colin a son of a bitch. Okay, stop right there. So that exchange right there reminds me of Candace Owens' hearing on uh, Capitol Hill however long ago it was, like a month ago or whatever, on free speech. And um, she was calling out Ted Lieu for saying her own words back to her or playing her own words back to her. You know, I I went through the Hitler stuff last podcast, so I'm not going to rehash that again. Uh, You can go see what she said. But Ted Lieu is criticizing her and this is a hearing about, you know, white supremacy and things like that. This is a hearing about that subject. So Hitler is a very relevant part of that subject. And Candace Owens made comments about Hitler. So, of course, he's going to bring it up. Uh, Ted Lieu is. So Ted Lieu is just playing her words back to her. And it's not like he can play the whole thing, Candace. So, uh because she's like, oh, that was a two-hour conversation. But before that, she goes, uh, I think Mr. Liu believes that black people are stupid. And they'll not, they're not going to go watch the full clip. It's like, and then she just, you know, uh, and then she just talks about how, oh, uh, I, uh, I'm i not anti-Semitic. I, I flew 30 hours on a plane uh, to go to Israel to, for the uh, grand opening uh, of the embassy, the the uh, American embassy in Israel in uh, Jerusalem, so uh, I'm not anti-Semitic, and uh, I work for PragerU, which is run by Dennis Prager, an Orthodox Jew. So she gets ultra defensive and just strawmans uh, Ted Lieu and strawmans Jerry Nadler and. Uh, now, to be fair, Nadler did kind of uh, piss me off in the in the in the sense that he didn't listen to what she was saying, what Candace was saying, and he thought she was calling Ted Lou stupid. So that's his fault. That's Jerry Nadler's fault, and he. Uh, he should definitely own uh, that mistake. But still, I don't blame him for uh, not wanting to listen to Candace Owens for two hours or whatever, however long her testimony lasted. It's like, my God. Anyway, 
Um, and even Laura Ingram kind of defends Cornel West. He's like, she's like, uh, you know, uh, Dr. West was not saying, uh, you know, what you think he's saying, you know, you know, did you catch it there? So anyway, continue. Okay. But what I, what I, I think, think that's we, a fact. Yeah, I think I think, I think the nasty language—it's—it's it's on both sides. I mean, it's not, if they call him a gangster, no, a tra- traitor. I mean, so we can play that game all night, all night long. True. But I just—I do want to—I want to get this sides. out. Um, I want to get to this. The, the prevailing wisdom, I think, uh, Dr. West, uh, you know, uh, highlighted this, is that that race relations has have deteriorated almost under this president. That's the thought. And that Obama was the you know the great racial healer. Yet. In a new study by a pair of sociologists at UPenn, this is not some conservative outlet, they found that, quote, anti-black prejudice declined by a statistically insignificant degree between 2012 and 2016. But then after 2016, it took a sharp dive. There was also a general fall in anti-Hispanic prejudice, too. So, Professor West, to what do you attribute these findings? So, prejudice is on the downswing not on the upswing, at least in these first few years of Trump? Well, based on this this particular study, I'd have to examine how they gather their evidence and so forth. But anti-Jewish attacks, anti-Muslim attacks, anti-Mexican attacks, and not just anti-black attacks, but also the police departments, the militarizing of the police departments, the withdrawal of the investigations when police do, in fact, shoot fellow citizens, whatever color they are, but disproportionately chocolate, but that disproportionately was happening black, under Obama. and brown. Right, that oh, was absolutely. That's true. That's true. That's true. I'm just talking about continuities. That's destiny. Yeah, I'm talking about continuities. Right. I, I do want to share this. This was... Okay. <clears throat> so... Um... So Laura Ingram tries another gotcha. And again, Corno West wasn't really biting. Um, he is he was saying, well, Laura was saying, you know, Trump is often seen as this uh, racial divider, but uh, according to this uh, study that I found, uh, which I don't explain how the data was gathered, uh, it actually says that prejudice against, you know, X groups, whether, whether they be, you know, black people or Hispanic people or whatever, uh, have gone down. So what do you say to that, uh, Dr. West? Uh, and he says, like what I say, uh, like what I just said, which is, well, you have to examine how they gather that data. And then Cornell West uh, addresses or tries to address the real problem in the black community, which is that these communities are over-policed in several instances. Now, I don't know the specific uh, numbers on uh, shooting of black people by cops versus shooting uh, of white people by cops. But my position uh, has always been the overwhelmingly obvious point of, I don't care who it is, cops should not be shooting anybody that's unarmed. You know, I don't care uh, what color the person is, 
what race the person is, what religion they are, what their ethnicity is. I don't give a shit. They shouldn't be uh, shooting unarmed people, period. So that's what I have to say to that. But um, I, I guess I'll take Cornell West's word for it because I trust him more than I trust Candace Owens and Laura Ingram. And spare me, Candace, with your, oh, that's dishonest. You're being dishonest. Really, Candace? You, of all people, you're going to lecture people on that? You're going to lecture people about being dishonest? Really? You're the most dishonest person in American political discourse right now. I mean, my God. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, this only has a few minutes left, so here we go. It's a moment that I think, again, going back to what Candace has uh, worked on and spoken about and what Dr. West, I think you two could actually be happy about together. Happened at the White House, uh, I think it was last month, and it was, a, it was an event commemorating the First Step Act. Let's watch. And I really thank you for signing that bill. Yeah. When y'all passed this, I could have felt them to flow. I'm an example of a woman who has been given a second chance in life. And it's an experience that I never forget. Two months ago, I was in a, in a prison cell, and I'm in the White House. That's, that's, that's continue to make America great again. Now, Dr. West, I mean, I don't think they were feeling xenophobia or mean-spiritedness. I think they actually found a president who was willing to work with people who really didn't even like him and didn't think he was probably going to accomplish much. And it got almost no coverage. I think we played it on our show, maybe a few other uh, places, but it didn't get any coverage. What, what's your reaction to the seeing that? No, I, I think that that's a very important uh, attempt to zero in on this vicious policy in the last 40 years of mass incarceration, punitive attitudes toward toward those engaged in various kinds of crimes. I've been blessed to teach in prisons for 37 years, a raw way to step program. I was just a Norfolk. It, it, it's something that has an impact on the ground, and I'd give the president credit for that. It's not as if he has nothing to offer. It's just that the dominant orientation is still tied to what I'm critical of of both parties, because mm -hmm. identity politics for me is milquetoast neoliberal politics that don't talk about corporate power, don't talk about poverty, don't talk about militarism. But the Republicans still strike me as so cold-hearted, mean-spirited, and they're still tied to corporate power and Wall Street and won't hit poverty head-on. But when it comes to prison, yeah. when it okay. comes to statistics, yeah. I give the president credit for that. Okay. But it's still small relative to what I'm looking for. I, don't, I, I see it in neither both parties other than Brother Bernie Sanders, but that's another dialogue, yeah. as you know. Bernie Sanders. Well, well, <laughs> we I won't go into that right yeah, now. No, 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 we won't go into that. See, uh, that, uh, regarding the, the last point, um, Candace Owens and Laura Ingram, when, doc, uh, when uh, Dr. West mentions, uh, when, when he mentions Bernie Sanders, they're just like, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it's like, guys, that's, again, that's not an argument, <laughs> you know, um, but also, as I alluded to earlier, of course me and Cornell West are happy about um, the, the First Step Act. We're not going to play your stupid partisan games where if a Democrat, you know, does something, it's terrible. Or in our case, um, 
if somebody from either party that we don't like does something, we're going to be against it just for the sake of being against it because we don't like that person. No, uh, I've given Trump credit for the first step, uh, the, the first step act. I gave him credit for, um, for instance, the uh, tax cuts that he implemented. Now, that was before I figured out that it was a massive giveaway to corporations and to the ultra, ultra, ultra rich. But um, it's not like I haven't given him credit and I will get, give him credit when he deserves it. But the point, Laura, is that he almost never does. He does not deserve nearly as much cr uh, credit as sycophants like you and Candace Owens give him. He does not deserve that at all. Uh, not even close to that amount. And uh, his critic, uh, Cornel West's criticism of <clears throat> of the sort of framework of this discussion is my criticism of what goes on in not just Fox News, but all the, the capitalist corporate media stations, which is uh, just this very narrow uh, spectrum of debate, very narrow focus, um, and they're not really addressing the issues that need to be addressed, which is corporate power and the total abandonment of the working class by both parties uh, in, in our government. So, uh, and, and notice uh, Laura Ingram's demeanor, how it changed uh, when he, at first, he said, well, I'm critical of both parties. And then she's like, okay, yeah, I agree with that. Or, or she kind of like nods her head. Uh, and then she says, or then he says, here's what the Democrats do that I don't like. And then she, and then. She's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then as soon as he starts criticizing the Republicans saying that, oh, they're tied to Wall Street and big banks and corporations too, she kind of has to interrupt and just like, oh, well, nope, no, 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 nope. Uh, you are ruining my uh, my propaganda uh, that I'm trying to do. So uh, I got to swap that away. Nope, Republicans are awesome. You know, so uh, I just found that to be funny. Anyway, uh, Candace Owens is not done yet. She's gonna, even though that, uh, even though there's only two minutes left in this video, she's still gonna make a lot of stupid points. So here we go. But I have to, again, I have to go back to this idea of race relations under Obama, which admits, I almost fell out of my chair in the CNN story that came out in October of 2016. Uh, they got worse. 54% of Americans said they got worse. Only 16% said they got better. Uh, this was at the end of the Obama administration. So as, as Cornell West said, you know, you had Ferguson, you had Freddie Gray in Baltimore, you had all this stuff bursting out on the streets of America 
with the first African-American president in the White House, and that healing didn't seem to take place. Right. Look, at that point, I was on the left. So when Barack Obama first went into office, I was a liberal, and I changed my mind due to exactly what you're saying. He drove this nation apart. President Trump is bringing this nation together because what he is talking about is patriotism. Patriotism knows no sex, it knows no color, it knows no creed. The liberal media can ignore all the work that he's doing in black America all they want. Every statistic in the world shows you right now that black support for Donald Trump has doubled, and that is me. And I'm telling you that by 2020, he is going to be the first president to crack the black vote to the detriment of the Democrats. Hey, uh, Professor West, I want to I want to do you still do work in prisons? Do you still do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I come with you? Can I come with you on one you, of your You can uh, come anytime you like. We're going to keep track of the humanity and rich imagination and intelligence of our brothers and sisters who are incarcerated to okay. make sure they have a better chance to keep and make sure that they can unleash their potential. But I say to Sister Candace that I like her independence of mind. I think she's wrong screen, most though. of Get the time. The I fight for her right to be wrong in that regard. But I would, I would wish right that she would have moved. Mr. West. Absolutely. But, but I would have wished that you would have moved further to the left because when you have a Black <laughs> Lives Movement under a black president, yeah. it's not going to be a matter of them moving to the Mr. right when they have been has using. Already, socialism has already been tried in our community. It's been tried via welfare policies and has completely crippled the black community. Oh, it has completely crippled not, the black family via the no, welfare policies. Sister, you know that. So I had to creep all the way socialism. to the right. And I have to tell socialism you, is I'm power happy here. sharing. Socialism you know is this not is a fact. giving black and becoming people dependent on programs. Never go liberal. Mr. West, I appreciate your time, but you know black liberals go conservative, but black conservatives never go liberal. Well, there's a reason for that. And I would, on the side of I, would, I would just well, add that Wall I don't Street. Know. Black people are complicated. Yeah. Black people are complicated. We We're go back and forth, but I wish we had more black leftists. All right, guys, we got to go. This is a fascinating conversation. We have to have you both back. Thank you very much Bye, sir. You for being here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ah. <sighs> So, again, you know, Candace has to go into her typical talking points. And it's interesting how, because it's not lucrative for her, she learned nothing from that podcast that I... uh, Played, uh, 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 I played a clip for you guys from that podcast with Russell Brand where, where Russell's explaining to her that welfare does not equal socialism. Welfare has nothing to do with socialism. Uh, but again, it's not lucrative for her to think that way. And she can't... Um, uh, if she has a favorable view of what uh, actual socialism is, then that's going to kick her out of her lucrative right-wing circles. So, again, she has to... Oh, Dr. West, uh, socialism uh, has killed over 100 million people and blah, blah, blah. Socialism ruined the black community, uh, blah, 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 blah. And Laura Ingram... Uh, joins in as well and the lefties bad socialism bad Um, so and Cornel West again calmly tries to explain to Candace he's again but she doesn't listen because again she's getting paid to refute uh, Cornel West points which are irrefutable (laughs) he's giving facts 
And but Candace Owens, uh, her job is to be the very postmodernist that Jordan Peterson claims to be against. You know, so that truth is subjective and blah 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 blah. So what does she do? She goes, uh, socialism bad, welfare bad. Uh, and then Cornell West tries to explain to her. He's like, no, that's not what socialism is. Socialism is not welfare. Socialism is the dispersion of power to as many people as possible. That's basically uh, what he was trying to say. It's like sharing power. You know, it has nothing to do with with welfare. And again, uh, Laura and Candace have nothing to refute that with. So... They just, you know, it's just, you know, uh, continue laughing and just uh, uh, socialism bad, uh, leftism bad. And um, and I totally understand Cornell West's point at the end. Uh, he's like, OK, you say you were on the left, but why... Did you move so far to the right when you could have moved further to the left? And again, Candace just laughs it off because she can't re, uh, rebut that in any way, in a meaningful way. So, you know, she's like, ah, screw it. Just, you know, deflect and ignore uh, what he said, essentially. Um and then she does this really stupid point where she's like, oh, uh, you know, she, she says something like, uh, black liberals go conservative a lot, but black conservatives never go liberal. Again, just a super partisan bullshit, uh, just this tribalistic idiocy, you know, that it's like. Oh my God, Candace! Really, really? So she's just a fraud and a hypocrite, and nobody likes her except like old white Republican males. You know, like that's who her audience is. Aside from maybe a couple of uh, black conservatives, maybe you know that they like her, but. Mostly, again, it's old conservative white men. You know, like that's who uh, Candace Owens appeals to because that she's saying the same things that a lot of them would say. So, but good God, man! Oh my God! And and the the final thing I'll say uh, on this video is she's like, oh. Uh, I'll fight for your right to be wrong too, Miss uh, Doctor West. Um, when Cornell West is like, "I'll fight for your right to be wrong, Candace." Yeah, it's like that's a total false equivalence, Candace, and you know that. You know you're wrong. You have to know deep down that you are wrong, and he is right. So you can't say you have no right to say, "Oh, I'll fight for your right to be wrong too, Mister West." <laughs> it's like you can't that. You know that that's a profoundly silly thing to say, Candace. Oh.
Oh, she drives me nuts. Um, anyway, moving on. And this was kind of an unintentional uh, theme here. But the theme, for some reason, is just sort of the... Uh, uh, sorry about that. Some of the... Uh, black conservative... Uh, you know, prominent black conservatives, I guess. Um, another one that uh, in this next video who I respect infinitely more than Candace Owens. I still disagree with him on a lot of things and I think he's very close-minded and I think he's very rigid in his thinking, but he definitely is a smart guy and... I think, and again, I could be wrong, but I think his heart is in the right place. And that person is another doctor, <laughs> uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell. And Thomas Sowell is uh, an economist, and he's one of the only African-American economists that I know of uh I'm not saying that there aren't <laughs> any others. I'm just saying that he's the only one I know. Um, so he's done very well for himself. I acknowledge that. And uh, I'm incredibly happy for him that he's managed to uh, to find success in his life. However, <clears throat> hold on a second. However, again, I think he's very uh, rigid in his thinking. Anyway, uh, this video is called uh, Thomas Sowell on Noam Chomsky and Income Inequality. And again, this uh, has to do with just people strawmanning uh, their ideological opponents. So anyway, yeah, on. Noam Chomsky, whom you write about in Intellectuals yeah. in Society, whose work in linguistics, in the first place I can't understand it, but as best I can tell, Noam Chomsky... Whom you write about in Intellectuals yeah. in Society, whose work in linguistics, in the first place I can't understand it, but as best I can tell, everyone who understands exactly everyone who understands his technical work within the field within his discipline of linguistics mm -hmm. considers him one of the great figures of the 20th century, mm -hmm. and his work in politics, uh, uh, absurdity. The same could be said of uh, Bertrand Russell and his and his uh, uh, landmark works on, on mathematics and other people in other fields. Uh, but they step outside their fields. And uh, when you step outside your level of uh, specialty, sometimes that's like st stepping off a cliff. It is far easier to concentrate, again, I'm quoting from Intellectuals in Society, it is far easier to concentrate power than to concentrate knowledge. Yes. What bearing has that got on the influence that intellectuals have over society as a whole? 
because they, they believe that since knowledge is concentrated in people like themselves, what needs to be done, as a quote from, from President Obama, is to put more power in the hands of, of the experts. So the intellectual temptation is to say, look, we already know everything. That's right. If only we also had the power. all the power, yes. everything would be just fine. Yes. And what's wrong with that view? Why isn't that a sensible view? One, they don't know everything. They don't have, They don't know one-tenth of everything. Uh, in fact, I, I, I argue that they, they probably don't know 1% of the consequential knowledge in a society. Consequential knowledge is a, is a, is a, a concept that runs through this book. Explain that concept. Uh, knowledge whose presence or absence has consequences, serious consequences. I mean, I was once in a plane that was coming down for a landing in the Ithaca airport, uh, and suddenly the pilot gunned the motor and went up again because someone in the control tower had, told, had reminded him that he hadn't lowered, lowered his landing gear. Uh, so that was consequential, consequential knowledge, knowledge right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was just delighted that that person had, had, had his eyes open and his mind on his work. So the notion here is that the kind of knowledge, the kind of consequential knowledge required to prove effective in governing a nation of, such as the United States with the biggest economy in the world, 300 million people, you can put together quite a large group of professors mm. and they're still not going to possess the knowledge that would enable them to run General Motors, for example, or to run the nation's health care system, for example. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Uh, in fact, one of, the, one of the things that has happened all around the world in the 20th century was that any, all sorts of countries have tried central planning. Now, the guys who run the central planning, they usually have advanced degrees from uh, prestigious institutions. They have mountains of statistics uh, uh, sitting there, and they have all the experts in the country at their beck and call. And yet, when you take the power out of their hands and return it to the market, then all the hundreds of millions of people who don't have any of those things usually end up with a higher rate of growth and a more rapidly uh, rapid decline in poverty. Because consequential knowledge, by its nature, tends to be diffused, widely diffused. Yes, yes. Right. Segment two, intellectuals and economics. We've already touched on this. Two quotations. Number one, Paul Krugman, quote, Rising in income inequality isn't new, but what happened under Bush was something entirely unprecedented. For the first time in our history, so much growth was being siphoned off to a small, wealthy minority oh, that most Americans were failing to gain ground even during a time of economic growth, close quote. Second quotation, Dr. Thomas Sowell in Intellectuals and Society. Quote, the statistics that the, t the intelligentsia keeps citing are much more consistent with their vision of America than the statistics they keep ignoring. Close quote. That's a, that's a tough one to encapsulate, but the basic confusion is between statistical categories and flesh and blood people. It's true that if you look at uh, the percentage of the income that went to the top 20% uh, and some year A, uh, and then later on, a decade later, you'll find that that percentage has gone up. And you say, well, that shows a disparity between the people. But the rich are getting richer. The rich are getting richer. Right. Uh, but when you, when you follow uh, statistics generated by the Internal Revenue Service, which can follow particular individuals over time, you find the people who are in the bottom 20% of taxpayers in the first year, uh, their income is nearly doubled by, the, by this uh, uh, late, later period, while the income of the people who are initially at the top is increased by less. If you get down to the very top, it's actually gone down. So that people are simply moving between these brackets from year to year. Uh, and the number of people who are in the bottom 20%, let's say in 1975, uh, who are still there in 1991, is 5% of them. 
Really? 29% of them have already gotten all the way to the top. Uh, absolute majority are in the top half. And so you're, you're, you're comparing what happens to these abstract categories rather than what's happening to actual flesh and blood people. So there's an enormous amount of churn and dynamism oh my gosh, within yes, the American. Yeah. And it, it, almost everybody's own own personal life. I mean, look at what what were you making when you were 20 years old compared to what you were making when you were 40? Negative. I was spending my parents' money when I was 20 oh, there years you old. Are. Right? All right. Okay. So, why would the intellectuals? What you've just made is a, is an intellectually rigorous case. Why would an intellectual, as you use the term, be loath to look at that intellectually rigorous argument? Be loath to examine the data the way you did. Well, he's happy with the data that he got. Well, why would he examine? Some, why would he go further? He looks at the numbers. The numbers say what he what he thinks it should say. Hey, that's it. Right. QED, and he moves on to the next great uh, crusade. Intellectuals in society, once again, the very phrase "income distribution." Okay. Whew. So. I chose this video. Again, it was unintentional that uh, both videos featured somebody who was a black conservative. It, it, it to and, and Thomas Sowell is more of like a sort of an ANCAP-style libertarian uh, in the American sense. Uh, but that, again, totally uh, coincidental. I chose this video because he went after Noam Chomsky... But notice something uh, in that five-minute video. He didn't offer one specific criticism of Noam Chomsky. Uh, he, he was asked by whoever's hosting this, he was asked, you know, what do you think about Noam Chomsky, essentially, and, uh, you know, other sort of public intellectuals. And... Uh, Dr. Soul just goes, oh, his economic views are absurd. Uh, care to give any specifics? <laughs> you know, it's like he didn't, he, he didn't make any effort to refute anything that Chomsky has said. So what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you get that again, as I was saying with... Uh, Candace Owens and Laura Ingram and their oh, oh, Bernie Sanders oh, oh, when Cornell West mentioned it again that's not an argument and neither is uh absurdity that, that that's what uh, Noam Chomsky's economic views are they're, they're absurd that's not an argument you have to provide specific what are your specific objections to what Noam Chomsky has said you had the floor the guy asked the question Answer the question, you know, in a, in a more, you don't have to go on a two-hour diatribe, but at least give one example uh, and say, hey, here's something that, you know, a specific policy or a specific um, historical philosophy that Chomsky has espoused, and here's why I disagree with it. So he doesn't do that. He just goes, oh, uh, Noam Chomsky is absurd. And then he starts talking about central planning. Noam Chomsky is not in favor of central planning. You know, that's the opposite of what people like him and I want to see in the world. We hate the idea of 
central planning. And a point that he makes all the time and that I have tried to make more um, frequently is corporations are very centrally planned, almost by definition. Uh, It's just a matter of who does the central planning, you know? So uh, when governments do the central planning, it's bad. But when corporations do it, oh, that's totally cool. You know, that's basically Thomas Sowell's philosophy. Um, And the philosophy from Chomsky and I is, oh, it's bad when governments do it, but it's also bad when corporations do it. So, and, you know, so he talks about, well, when you leave these things to the power of the market and the, you know, like health, he mentions healthcare, for instance, um, uh, then uh, everything's fine and whatever. Uh, Dr. Soul, markets have no power. Humans make them powerful. Markets are just an abstract concept. You know, so I, I, I just I don't understand this this view that the market is somehow this sort of like walking talking thing and corporations are these walking talking things. No, they're these abstract concepts to describe complex human institutions. Like so they don't have any real power, you know, so it's like what are you talking about? Uh and to be fair though, I I used to think kind of like that, you know, because I was more of a uh, uh, of an ANCAP a couple years ago. Uh, I, I did go through an ANCAP phase, but then I realized that it's just not a practical, plausible system. You know, it's just not because... Uh, like there are uh, quote unquote libertarians who would say, oh, just get rid of um, like public goods, including police. And then uh, somebody like me would probably say, okay, then who's going to protect the private property rights? Who's going to and then they'll say, oh, well, 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 they'll just hire their own police forces. It's like, that's a state. <laughs> you know, you just described a state. A state is an entity which has a monopoly on the legitimate use of force over a given geographical area. That's what a state is. And so you basically are, you just said, I want to create a state, you know, and it would be a, basically a ultra capitalist fascist police state. So... It's like, so my point is, is that uh, anarcho-capitalism, so-called, would inevitably just revert back into statism. You know, that's just the way it is. But to Thomas Sowell's point uh, about central planning, uh, Noam Chomsky is not in favor of that. And... um. I don't know how Dr. Soul uh, came across or, 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 or how he crunched the numbers or how he read that these 
uh, economists crunch the numbers to come to the conclusion of, you know, X amount of wealthy people being in this bracket during this time period and then this bracket during that time period and blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm leaning on the side of I'm very skeptical of, of that figure. Um, I'm very skeptical, but, you know, he could be right. I don't know. But the point is that there still is heavy concentration of wealth in this country uh, that goes uh, from the bottom up, not the top down, you know. So it's concentrated at the top where the people at the bottom, they're struggling, you know. So what if they have gotten a little more money in their pockets? They're, they, you know, with inflation and things like that, they're still struggling, you know. So even if you, you know, got a pay raise uh, of like $5,000 after 20 years, you're still going to suffer because it's not worth as much as it would have been uh, in the 20 years before as it is 20 years later. So... It's like, my God, you know, um, like, uh, for instance, I, uh, well, well, you used to be able to get bubble gum for like a nickel. Now you can get it like in one of those, uh, gumball machine dispenser things, you know, for like a quarter but back like 50 years ago, uh, that same quarter could get you like five uh, gumballs. So you see what I mean? So even if you have more money uh, with the with you know rising costs and inflation, things like that, rising cost of living and uh, inflation, it's not going to make much of a difference uh, if you have more money or not. You're still suffering, you know? Uh, so that's my argument for the people who say, well, yeah, sure, the rich are getting richer, but the poor are also getting uh, richer. It's like, yeah, whoop-de-doo. You know, they're still struggling. Um, anyway... And it's funny how uh, Thomas Sowell, the, the last thing I'll say on this video is toward the end there, he does a classic, classic uh, projection move where he says, you know, the problem with Noam Chomsky is uh, he looks into statistics that support his narrative and and uh, he, he likes those numbers, so he'll... Stand by them. Projection. That's what you do, Thomas Sowell. You do that, you know. And to be fair, almost everybody does that. But to act like you're above that, like that's not that's not true, man. That's not true. Um, everybody does that. So anyway, <laughs> let's get to the forehead section of the podcast and as i've been doing uh, i'm just gonna 
summarize the articles uh, for you. I only have two from WSWS this time. And then I have... Um, and then I have... Um, a New York Times article and a Time Magazine article. There we go. Okay, so... The first article I want to read you guys, this is from a couple days ago or summarized for you guys, uh, is from WSWS by Alex Lantier or Lantier or something like that. <laughs> Forgive me. And uh, he says, Ruling conservatives and social democrats collapse in EU elections. So the European Parliament uh, had you know elections recently, and for decades it's been dominated by conservatives and social democrats, and uh, they're talking about how. In countries like Britain and France and Germany, they are, uh, they got totally obliterated. The conservative and social democratic parties um, got obliterated, especially in those three countries. And, uh, so-called populist parties are also uh, being affected in terms of, you know, people aren't buying into their bullshit anymore. So they just... Uh, They just go down the election results, you know, specifically, but but anyway, um, uh, the good thing uh, on the uh, socialist end of the spectrum is that in Spain uh, sorry in Spain uh, the Spanish Socialist Party uh, won the vote I mean I guess that's better uh, like I said I'm not for socialist parties but it's probably better than a far-right party. So, basically, the reason why I wanted to cover this story is because it shows that most people around the world are done with bullshit neoliberal politics. You know, the age of neoliberalism is quickly dying out, and I'm not 
sad about that at all. You know, my heart is not breaking at all. Neoliberalism is one of the worst ideologies of the last few centuries. Neoliberalism has destroyed the world economy, has destroyed national economies, and has destroyed individuals who are not wealthy, you know, so which is the vast majority of people around the world. So neoliberalism can just go die in a hole where it belongs. Uh, so that's it for that story. Uh, also from the WSWS, we have Honduran government cracks down on strike by teachers, doctors, and nurses. And this is by Andrea Lobo. There we go. Uh, let's see. And it says, uh, last Thursday, uh, so a week from today, last week, uh, week from today, um, there was a strike that had university students, uh, doctors and nurses, and teachers uh, that have been going on uh, really since May 20th against the uh, current president or whatever of uh, of, Hondur- of Honduras, Juan Orlando. Excuse me. Uh, sorry. Oh, Juan or- Orlando Hernandez. There we go. And let's see. Roadblocks. Yeah. So the initial initial strikes began on April 26th uh, because uh, this guy Hernandez uh, and his government wants to privatize health care and pensions and education. Uh, because that's what the IMF wants in, in order for uh, Honduras to get loans. So I actually, uh, from this one class that I took on the global economy in my last semester of college, which just ended, um, I learned a lot about the IMF. And the IMF is a complete disaster. It puts a stranglehold on national economies. Uh, that don't fall in line with, again, the the neoliberal agenda uh, of the IMF. So if you don't fall in line with the neoliberal agenda, um, you're done. (laughs) So you're not going to get a loan. So let's see. And it also mentions... uh, that there have been protests outside the uh, the U.S. Embassy in the capital of Honduras. Um, and uh, it also mentions that there are still teacher strikes in America going on. And... Uh, Uh, 
basically it says that uh, it goes on to say that the government won't do anything for the people uh, of uh, Honduras, but for the elites, you know, oh, they'll fight for them all day long. Of course. Uh, and it basically says that um, uh, this is uh, continuing to uh, prompt Hondurans who are uh, overwhelmingly uh, a majority of the Central American immigrants that have been coming in, uh, that this has basically exacerbated uh, that issue that um, the Trump administration has failed to adequately address uh, in a reasonable way, you know, so. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. So, neoliberals destroy Honduran, uh, the Honduran economy, and then, uh, when they're unhappy uh, about that and they seek refuge somewhere else, we're not going to let them in. Yeah, that's brilliant strategy, guys. Brilliant strategy. Um, anyway, next story. So, this is from the New York Times... And it is by Katie Thomas, and it says, This new treatment could save the lives of babies, but it costs $2.1 million. So, uh, there's this drug called Novartis, and um, it's a gene therapy medication. And it's for spinal muscular atrophy. And it says it's a, a rare muscle-wasting disease that, in its most severe form, kills many babies before they turn two. Even for this one-time treatment, it's over $2 million. That's just insane. That is absolutely insane. And... There are similar drugs that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is absolutely barbaric. Our, so basically, for those that don't know what uh, spinal muscular atrophy is, it gives, uh, in this article, a brief description of what that is. It says... Spinal muscular atrophy affects the motor nerve cells in the spinal cord, causing the body to lose physical strength and eventually robbing people of their ability to walk, talk, swallow, and breathe. And it affects 1 in 11,000 uh, babies. And again, most people die before they're even two years old. That's just insane. And the stupid... Big pharma companies, the evil big pharma companies, 
are going to exploit this for $2 million? On what planet can anybody afford that? Are you kidding me? $2 million? I, I bet it did not cost that much to produce uh, to uh, uh, produce the drug or even research and develop the drug. We pay for research and development through our tax dollars uh, for, for these medications. We're the ones that pay for that. And uh, the... But then the pharma companies get to charge us astronomical amounts uh, even though we funded the research and development. So, oh my God. This is insane. And of course, since, since you're allowed to uh, advertise drugs, uh, pharmaceutical drugs in this country, which you're not allowed to do in several other countries, that gives them an excuse. To, oh, we, we, what do you mean? We need more funding. We need more, uh, we, we need uh, advertising money and blah, 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 blah. It's like, what? <laughs> this is insane. This is absolute insanity of the highest order. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <sighs> what a joke. Anyway, it's a cruel joke, but it's a joke nonetheless. Anyway, last story. So this is from Time Magazine, and it says, Donald Trump campaigned as a president for LGBTQ Americans, but he keeps rolling back protections for them. So this article outlines, obviously, the, uh, he, you know, the how, uh, Caitlyn Jenner su supported Donald Trump and Donald Trump said that he would be uh, better on LGBTQ rights than Hillary Clinton would have been. Um, da, 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 da. And he just totally yawned back on that. And... Yeah, you know, so it's like so. Uh, trans transgender students are not uh, protected from not being able to use uh, the bathroom of the gender that they identify with. Um, and recently, uh, there is a uh, segment. Or segment. What am I saying? There, there is a, there is a policy that's what I meant to say uh, in place that basically bans transgender individuals uh, who have gone through transition uh, from enlisting in the military, and it prohibits uh, troops who are already enlisted from uh, receiving hormone 
therapy or uh, or um, gender transition uh, surgeries. So this is just this is nuts. Uh, and what's more, uh, housing and urban development uh, on Wednesday reverse the requirement that operators of homeless shelters receiving HUD funding uh, so, so uh, they were required to provide equal access to programs, benefits, services, and accommodations in accordance with an individual's gender identity. And so this is basically you're segregating people in both men's and women's shelters uh, you're segregating these people. You know, that's what this is, man. Uh, and you're not, and you're, you took away their protection. It's just unbelievable. Cause first of all, it flies in the face of Trump's narrative. Oh, I'm this great LGBTQ rights, uh, president, but it also, um, is a, a, a an example of, President Trump's uh, strategy of I'm going to, you know, my presidency is going to be I'm not Obama. I'm going to do everything I can to reverse all of Barack Obama's policies. You know, it's like, oh my God. So, Donnie, you're not a uh, trans rights hero you're a fraud you're a moron and you're an elitist prick and nothing shows that more clearly than this story from from time who did a rare uh, decent job uh, with covering this so anyway uh, that's pretty much all I have for you today I'm going to be away most of the week next week on a trip to D.C., baby. So I'm probably not going to be doing an episode next week. Um, but I'll definitely uh, do one the week after that, maybe. I, I think I might be away that week, too. So maybe not for a couple of weeks, but trust me, you'll see me again. Until then, take care, and I'll see you next time here on the left side of Liberty.